Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. I've already told you that last week I asked you a question, will this be the year? And I want you to contemplate that even right now. Will this be the year? Will this be the year that you make the decision to change? Will this be the year that you decide to mend the relationship maybe that you need to mend? Will this be the year that uh, you decide to set your finances in order? Will this be the year that you work on the relationships, maybe your marriage, maybe your brother, maybe your sister, maybe a friend? Uh, Will this be the year? And I want to tell you something, in case you ever wonder what my main ministry goal is. Different people and different pastors have different ministry goals that they're equipped to do. Now, some churches, and you guys probably have been to these churches, which are great churches. close friend of mine is like this. Some churches are very evangelistic. Now, I like to be evangelistic, too. I want everyone. I I want to bring everyone I can um, uh, with me uh, to heaven. I want to do that. Probably not all at the same time, if I'm being honest with you, but I want to take everyone with me, all right, to heaven that I can. Uh, and so, and some churches are evangelistic like that. Some, some churches are what they call seeker sensitive, where they play basically rock and roll music and have a bunch of smoke and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then the, the preacher uh, gets up and, and gives a very light message that most uh, seekers, people that are seeking, uh, can, can take. My, let me tell you what mine is. My passion and my ministry goal is uh, to see you live uh, the life that God had in mind when he created you. That's what I want you to do. I want you to live the life that God had in mind uh, when he created you. And so most everything that I do, most everything, uh, even during the week, most everything that I do is trying, to, uh, is trying to get the best both out of my walk with God and for you to get the best out of your walk with God. You know, we were all created for something and God created us for a specific purpose. And when he created you, he had something in mind. And my goal is to walk through you, walk with you th- through this situation situation and to walk with you as you seek that out. Now, sometimes there's hills and sometimes there's valleys, but we can still walk together to do that for for us to walk and to seek out. Now, we find those answers in a lot of different ways. The main way we find them is through the scriptures. We find them because different scriptures really bring about what, what change is needed in your life. We also can find them through people that God sent. We can find them through worship. We can find them through various ways. But that's my goal, is for you to live the life that God had in mind when he created you. And for me, anything less than that is unacceptable. It's unacceptable uh, for anything else. And so today I start a series called Whatever It Takes. Whatever It Takes. Whatever it takes is a question. Uh, I know whenever I played football in high school, I don't know how many high school football players we have in here, but when I played football in high school, the coach always used to say that. He used to say, Williams. And here's the thing. If you're an offensive lineman, all right, uh, and I'm going to go in, I'm going to give you a little bit behind the scenes of offensive linemen, okay? Most of us like to eat, all right? And and most of us are are really big and kind of bulky, and we like to hit people, but not a lot. Are you with me? Like when you're on the offensive line, you want to you hit people, but you don't want to get crazy like some of those cornerbacks, and you don't want to do that. You just want to hit them for about two or three yards, okay? They call those two or three yards the trenches. That's what they're called. They're called the trenches. And it's like two or three yards, and you'll notice most offensive linemen, they don't travel very far. There's usually you go up to the line, they snap the ball, and they'll go forward a little bit, or they'll come back a little bit. But we, we're pretty, pretty simple individuals. Okay, there's a three or four feet little thing that we go through. Well, 
I, I had an opportunity to play offensive line and start my senior year, my junior and senior year, and I was going to play my senior year. And I hated one play. There was always one play. The one play I always hated is whenever there was no one over me. There was no one across from me to block. Because if we were going to run the ball, guess what that meant? I had to go and block the linebacker. Now, the linebacker are the people that would have been linemen, but they worked out more than the linemen, okay? The linemen decided to get the second cheeseburger, and they decided to eat instead of bench press or run, okay? And the, the, the linebackers are the ones that are kind of in the middle group when you're running. There's always the, 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 the receivers when you're running track, you know, you're running around the track and basically killing yourself. The receivers always are the ones that can run forever and never get, get, get winded. The linebackers are the ones that, that actually are in the middle group, and they kind of set the pace. And us linemen, we're at the end, okay? I have been lapped by the receivers before. Never the linemen, but it was, I mean, never the linebackers, but it was close. So I would have to go block that dog on linebacker. Now, you have to realize I'm coming from this angle. Oftentimes, the linebacker is already over in front of, in front of the guard. Now, for all you people that don't know what I'm talking about, you can look it up at home. But the guard was right beside me, and he was way over here. So I would have to take my big old self, and I would have to go as fast as I could to try to block that linebacker. Now, that linebacker is watching the play, and the play's going this way, and he's going this way, and I'm trying to make him go that way. And I kept missing that doggone linebacker. And you know what my coach said? He said, Williams, whatever it takes, you're going to block that linebacker. And I was like, Coach Sykes, I can't block that linebacker. That linebacker is much faster than I am. He said, whatever it takes, you know the snap count. And so you know what I started doing with the linebacker? You can't do this anymore. It's actually illegal now. But when I play, you wasn't illegal. I would go as fast as I could, which was usually slightly faster than a turtle. All right? That's how fast I would go. I would, I would get down, and I literally, and I know they knew it, but I would get down instead of a regular stance. I would get down, and I would throw my hand on the ground just a little bit, but I would put this leg behind me. And I would run, and I would just dive in front of the linebacker. And the first time I did it, the linebacker fell over me. And I was like, that worked. And the coach, I did it the second time. I just, and I just dove. And coach said, well, it ain't pretty, but it works. Can I tell you guys something? If some of these messages are going to impact you, I want you to know something. What you're going to have to go through ain't going to be pretty, but it's going to work. Are you with me? Whatever it takes. Today, I want to talk about what, how do you develop a whatever it takes attitude? How do you develop a whatever it takes attitude? How do you develop a whatever it takes attitude? And there is a scripture that I want us to read together in 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, a lot of you may know the story. A lot of you may know the story. Um, if you haven't found it yet, go to the front of your Bible and look up 2 Kings, okay? And, and then they'll give you a page number, all right? Um, I was going to tell you what page number mine was on, but they're all different. So anyway, uh, let's look at 2 Kings chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, they're up here behind you. It says, the king of Aram had great admiration for Nahum the commander of his army, because through him the Lord gave Aram great victories. But though Nahum, um, uh, Nahum was a mighty warrior, he suffered with what? He suffered with leprosy. All right? 
At this time, uh, uh, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Nahum's wife as a maid. Let's go to the next one. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Nahum told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. And it says, go and visit the prophet the king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Nahum started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant, uh, servant Nahum. I want you to heal him of leprosy. And so then he says this in verse 7. It says, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God? Am I God that I can give life and take away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, the prophet Elisha, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. He sent messages to him saying, why are you so upset? Send Nahum to me and, we'll, uh, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. And so then it continues. So Nahum went to his, with his horses, chariots, and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Nahum became angry and, and, and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hands over me and the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord and heal me. And then it says this, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the, uh, the Abana and, and the far, far better than the rivers here in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Nahum turned and went away in a rage. But the scripture says, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. So Nahum went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. What in the world's going on in this story? Well, you've got someone who's very powerful. You've got someone who is a mighty leader, a mighty warrior, and he has leprosy. He has had leprosy and has had this affliction, and it is a major thing back then. As a matter of fact, most in Israel, most, most people with leprosy were actually put out but this guy was a mighty warrior, and so they allowed him to be around. He was a very prominent man. He was a very prominent man. And so basically, because he had helped so much, the guy says, listen, I want you to go, go to this, go to, go to this king and go to this prophet, and I want, you, I want you to tell them that here's my letter. Here's what I want you to do. Heal this man of leprosy because he's been so faithful. So that's exactly what happened. And the first person that they came to got so frustrated because they were like, man, am I God? Am I God? I can't do this. And Elijah, heard, oh, wait a minute. Send him to me. Send him to me. And when he sent him to Elijah, what he thought was, was he thought because he was so prominent and he thought because he was, you know, because he, you know, he had come for this, this delegation. He brought this, all this gold and silver and all these horses and chariots. He brought all these, this big delegation comes up. He thought Elijah would surely come out and make this huge proclamation. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. He would tell him all these things. And then 
he would wave his hand and a miracle would all of a sudden happen. He would wave his hand and the leprosy would fall off and then he would walk away in glory. But that's not at all what happened. Actually, something totally different happened. What happened was, was Elijah didn't even go out. Now, can you imagine expecting someone to talk to you or to help you? And instead of the people coming out, I can just imagine this. I don't know why, and this is not biblically correct, but I've always got Elijah living in a trailer. I don't know why Elijah's, li- Elijah's living in a trailer, but I got Elisha living in a trailer. I don't know why, but I can just imagine the little trailer door popping up. We lived in a trailer when I was young, and we had a little door, and that door would go wham, and there was always a huge dent. Anybody else experience that? Yes. And so, but I, and, and, and a little makeshift wooden porch that someone had built, okay, or those three heavy uh, concrete blocks that go up to the trailer. And I don't know why, in my brain, I got Elisha in a trailer. And so, and the person would come out, and the guy was waiting there with his big, long chairs, and all of a sudden, he was like, who's this guy? Wait a minute, Elisha's not coming out? Well, if Elisha's not coming out, I'm not doing this. That Jordan River, listen, my wife a couple years ago went to the Jordan River. It's kind of dirty. <laughs> it is. It's dirty. It is muddy. It's muddy. Muddy river. I'm not going in that nasty river. You know? It would be like me coming down to Georgia and going, I'm not getting in the Chattahoochee. I just came from Kentucky Lake in Tennessee, the beautiful Tennessee River in all its glory. I'm not getting in the Chattahoochee. There ain't no way you're going to get me in the hooch. I'm not doing it. I could have done that up there. Why didn't he just tell me to go get in the clean water? And so he was walking away. And finally, someone said, listen, all he's asking you to do is walk down and dip seven times. That's all he's asking you to do. If he'd asked you to do a hard thing, you'd have done it. But you have to realize something. This was a hard thing for him. Do you know why this was a hard thing for him? It was a hard thing for him because... This man not only had leprosy, but he had a huge ego and he had a lot of pride. And there was no way he was going to get in there. Finally, finally someone talked him into it. Finally, someone, someone talked him into it. Someone did. You know, I want to tell you a couple things. I want to tell you that if you're going to change, you have to conform your life to God's plan for you. You can do whatever you want. You can, and everybody always says, well, I don't know what God's plan for me is. And I'm, I say, man, that is the fun of living life. That's the fun of embracing, embracing life. I want to tell you something else too. God's not a status quo God. He's not. God's on the move. He's on the move and he wants you to be on the move as well. And the way we become obedient to his plan and purpose and the way we get on the move is that we have to develop a whatever it takes attitude. We have to finally be, we have to be like Nahum who, who decided finally he was going to go and dip himself humbly in the Jordan. And when he did that, he was healed. Whatever it takes. He was prideful. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is this. If you want to develop a whatever it takes attitude, you've got to leave pride behind. You've got to leave pride behind. You really do. James 4, 6 says this. I think we have it on the screen. It says, and he gives grace generously. As a matter of fact, the scripture actually says this. It says that as we screw up more and more, he gives us more and more and more grace to cover over that screw up is what it says right before that verse. 
as he, that's Barry's translation, okay? It probably doesn't say screw up. So, but he gives you more and more grace. And it says this, why does he do that? Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What does that tell me? Well, if you've screwed up, you need to admit it. If you've screwed up, you need to admit it. And a lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of people don't want to admit that they have issues. A lot of people don't want to admit that they have problems. But we have to leave pride behind. Can I tell you the truth? Can I tell you the truth that I have met? I have met more men. I've met more men who would rather go through the pain of a breakup in a relationship. They would go through the pain of a divorce. They would go through the pain of living a miserable life in a dead-end job. They would rather do all those kind of things than admit that they have a problem. I have. I've met so many men, and I'm not stepping on your toes, men, but I want to be honest with you and tell you, one of the biggest problems that we have in our society is that men are too prideful to admit that they have a problem and that they may need help. And that's the facts. Men are too prideful that they're stupid at relationships. And by the way, if you're a guy and you think you're not stupid, you are. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's just how we were created. Basically, we just say women, food, work, trucks. And if you're really cool, Jeep. All right, that's kind of how it is. All right, that's how it is. And maybe a boat. You know what I mean? I tell you that to tell you that, listen, that's not the life God wants you to be. What God wants you to be is he wants you to be strong men who are leaders of your family. It's what he wants. He wants you to be a leader of your family. But a lot of times our pride, our pride gets in the way. Can I tell you something else? I have met more people. I have met more people who would rather live, who would rather live and suffer with poor relationships and depression than to admit that they need help. They would rather, listen, they would rather stay depressed or they would rather stay in a poor relationship instead of going and seeking counseling. I tell you guys this all the time and I'll tell you again. I've been to counseling. I will go back to counseling. And I think that every person walking the planet at some point in their life needs to go talk to a therapist once in a while. I will. I believe that with all my heart. I think the weight, especially today, of our world is a little too heavy for us to just carry it around all the time. I believe that. I also believe that some needs more counseling more than others. How about that? So true. It's so true. I'm not going to point elbows, but it's so true. Um, listen, I want to tell you that you don't need to live in poor relationships and depression. You need to go seek help. You need to go get a third party to say, hey, listen, I think this, I think that. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. What's keeping you from doing that? I'll tell you what's keeping you from doing that. Pride is what's keeping you from doing that. Absolute pride is what's keeping you from doing that. Let me tell you a story. Now, I don't usually tell these stories all the time, but I just kind of feel led. I prayed about it this week, and I kind of feel led to tell you this story. So as I have shared before, I have, I have, uh, I have, I suffer from depression oftentimes and anxiety. And I have, I, I at times, it ebbs and flows, but I do suffer from that. It is hereditary. I, I, you know, uh, I told my mom, I said, I can't think of any positive thing you sent me down except a hard work, a work ethic. Everything else is heart disease and balding and you know what I'm saying? Not that balding's bad because, you know, bald's beautiful. But uh, all of these things, and one of the things that my family line as a whole we deal with is, is depression sometimes. And I had a situation where I had to decide if I was going to go and seek help or I wasn't. 
And as a pastor, sometimes that's difficult. Because most pastors want you to think, I was talking to someone yesterday that their, their parents, their thought of a pastor is that they're supposed to be perfect and all this kind of stuff and they're supposed to do all this and you know, you're not supposed to be friends with the pastor because that's weird, which I'm like, gosh, man, what a lonely life um, for the pastor. But, uh, um, but, but you know, the truth of the matter is, is that, is that um, we deal with the same things that you do. And so I, I decided I was going to go see someone and I walked in the door and one of my former students was working there. And she turned and she looked at me. She goes, uh, hey, Pastor Barry. Now, it just so happens that her family had had struggles in the area of depression. And it just so happens that a long time ago, I had told her what I'm telling you today is that you need to do whatever it takes. And you know what I told her? I looked her right in the eye and I said, I'm so glad that you saw me here today. And she said, why is that? I said, because, I said, I want, I said, I always want people to know that when I say whatever it takes, that I mean it for me too. And she goes, yeah. And I said, and I want you to know that I'm here today doing whatever it takes. And I want you to know I don't want to be here. And I want you to know this is humbling for me. Apparently God thought I needed to be a little more humbled, so he put my former student in the way. I would have liked to have skipped that portion of the humbling situation, but it is what it is. But I said, and I want you to know something. Don't ever, listen, don't ever neglect your mental health. Don't ever neglect that. Do whatever you have to do. And I left there knowing that I had done exactly what God wanted me to do. Nahum refused to go to the dirty river at first. It was pride. We have to leave pride behind. We have to. The second thing is, and this is a hard one, we have to lay aside laziness. It's a tough one. Now, I say this to you knowing that I'm going home this afternoon. I'm going to get some lunch. I'm going to start watching a football game, and I'm going to wake up from a coma at about 6 o'clock this evening. All right? I'm going to probably sleep. That's what I'm going to do. And that's not what I'm talking about. Some of us know if we're going to be honest with each other, We've become lazy. We've become lazy. We've, we've, we've become comfortable and lazy with the day in and the day out. We've become lazy oftentimes. And one of the things you have to do in a whatever it takes attitude is, is you have to be focused and you have to walk forward. You know, there's a scripture that tells it's, it's Joshua. Joshua and Caleb have won over into the promised land. And at the time, Caleb was 85 years old. And he goes to Joshua and he says, Joshua, this is in the book of Joshua. He says, Joshua, he said, listen, I know I'm 85 years old. I know I am. I know I'm 85 years old, God. But God, even though I'm 85 years old, give me another mountain to climb. Give me another assignment to do. Give me some more ground to take. 85 years old, and he still had that attitude. Now, I'm looking around, and I see one or two that may be bumping up against 85. I'm especially looking this way. (laughs) But I'll tell you, everybody's looking over there now. Who's he talking about? He may be on the far end on the third row. (laughs) I love you, buddy. He's my buddy. Uh, He's not 85, but he sure is sniffing it. Um, But let me say something to you. No one else here 
I know people are like going, I ain't never come back to this church. He's guessing ages. I can do this at the carnival. Um, but listen, I want to tell you something. A lot of us have become routine and mundane, and you just come in and you accept the day in and day out. Can I tell you something? That's not the life God wants you to live. That's not the life God wants you to live. As a matter of fact, I want to tell you this. When you get in those mindset things is when your life begins to decrease. Remember, God's on the move. A lot of us have become lazy, and we need to lay that aside. The third thing is, is you have to decide on a plan of action. Now, Nahum had a choice. Nahum, he, he had two plans of actions he could have taken. He could have turned around and went back and said, forget this guy. He didn't respect me. I'm not talking to him anymore. I'm going to go dip myself in the clean water, not this dirty Jordan River. Or he could say, hey, you know what? I'm going to listen to these people, and I'm going to, I'm going to do what they say. That's what he had to do. And he had a choice. And you have a choice too. The scripture in Proverbs 29 says this, verse 18. It says this. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Now, there's another translation that says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. That's what, another, that's what the New King James Version says. Where there's no vision, the people will will perish. In this translation, it says they will run wild. They will, they will go all different directions. Have you guys ever felt like you were going all different directions? Listen, I have. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, whenever I first started school, when Wendy Williams met me, my wife met me, I was 20, 20, getting ready to be 24 years old. Okay. And I had went to like seven schools, literally seven schools at that time. I was 24. I had I had a, a class from this school and a class from that school and a class from this school and a class from that school, and it was all over the place. And then all of a sudden, I met Wendy, and I'm like, oh, wow. Now, my wife is smart, okay? Now, I will admit she's probably smarter than me, but she's very smart, and so she was getting ready to get her master's degree, and she would have it by the age of 23. And I was... Uh, getting my degree from the School of Hard Knocks, and I didn't have any direction. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know anything. I just was taking a class here and there. I was working a job that I wasn't going to, it wasn't going to go any higher. You know, I was pulling down an awesome salary of about $6.25 an hour. All right, I was. I was. Uh, I would tell you I was poor, but I couldn't afford the O and the R. So I was just Poe. All right, that's how I was. And I met her. And her whole lineage and family, they're all doctors and lawyers. And I'd never met her. I'd met her father one time briefly and said, hello, Dr. Hiller. Hey, how are you doing? And it was one of those awkward things, so that was fine. But they lived in Texas. And Wendy's mom and dad are divorced, so I had to drive. After I met her and convinced her that I was the one, it took a lot of convincing, believe me. But I convinced her of that. I had to drive to Texas to ask her father to have her hand in marriage. And it's pretty intimidating when you're a guy who's been to seven different schools and, um, and you were going in and you had no degree, but your, your spouse-to-be is going to get her master's degree. And I walked in, and he just looked at me. We sat down, and he goes, so what brings you here? And I had driven eight hours. I think he probably knew what brought me there. Um, but uh, he said, what brings you here? And I said, well, I need to ask you a question. And I asked I ask him, if I, I said, I just want to know if I got permission to marry your daughter. And he looks at me, and he says, what's your plan? I was like, well, I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to drive up to Oklahoma, and then I'm going to ask her, and I'm going to video it. So I'll send you. He said, no, no, no. What's your plan for providing for my daughter? 
And he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I, I do want you to marry my daughter. You're a fine young man. You know what I mean? He said, you're a little ugly, but you're a great guy. So he didn't say that. He thought it, though. I could tell he was like, anyway. So, but he said this. He said, he said um, you can marry her on one condition. I said, what's that? He said, you've got to promise me you're going to finish school. And I looked at him, and I said, listen. I said, I've kind of had to make my own way. Um, I said, I've kind of, uh, you know, my parents were very supportive, but, uh, but you know, we, 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 uh, there was no college account. Let me just say that, all right? And I had to make my own way. And so I ended up cramming four years of school into 10. All right, are you with me? I crammed it into 10 years, man. So at 28 years old, I got my, I got my degree, and then I wanted to get my master's and so on and so forth. But I, uh, I did, and I'll never forget it. That moment in my life, this scripture came about, and I was like, I've got to have a plan. And from the moment I married her, that was my plan. And we walked it out. And you're the same way. We cannot spend our lives meandering through with no plan. I want to tell you something. If you really want to change, if you really want to address an issue, if you really want to develop a whatever it takes attitude, you have to get a plan and you have to walk out that plan. And let me say something to you. When you just start to walk out that plan, the first thing that's going to happen, I tell people this all the time, let's say you want to get out of debt. If you want to get out of debt and you start trying to get out of debt, your transmission will fall out of your car within a week. I just want to let you know that. It's happening. It's happening. Go ahead. Go ahead and buy the bike before because you are going to be riding a bike to work. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen because it, it's, it's, it's the enemy coming against you. And so you have to understand that whenever you decide to say whatever it takes, things are going to come against you. But here's the thing. You have to persevere. You have to continue to walk out the plan. And I'm going to tell you, everyone thinks that it's going to look like it's going straight up and that's going to be your plan. It's going to look like this. And it's going to go all over the place and it's going to be all over the place, but you're still going to get there if you continue to say, you know what, whatever it takes, I'm going to do this. Whatever it takes, I'm not going to deal with this issue anymore. Whatever it takes, I'm going to fix this relationship. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get out of debt. Whatever it takes and on, whatever it takes, I'm going to commit to deepen my relationship with Christ. Whatever it takes. And you have to develop that attitude, but you have to have a plan of action. The next thing is, is you have to remember, and this is what I just told you, it's much harder than you think. It's going to be harder than you think. You guys, for some reason, I tried to run a half marathon a while back. All right? I know, I look like a runner. But listen, I tried to run a half marathon. And I ended up uh, going into that half marathon. And I thought I had trained up good. I thought I was ready to roll. I thought I was ready to go. Until I got to about mile 10, Okay, and there was, I didn't realize that there was a concrete barrier between me and the, and the finish line at mile 10. Because at mile 10, I felt like I constantly was hitting a wall, constant. I had no more energy, I had nothing. I was walk, driving, going by, and some little cute little girl was going, you want some Gatorade? I said, I want nothing, I want the finish line. So I did, and my, my, it, it, that's what happened. And so, so, and there was this guy, and I think I've told you a story before, but I was, and it was, I promise you, it was uphill every way. It didn't matter where I was going, it was going, I was going uphill. It was in Nashville. And why I started there, I have no idea, but I did. And so I was going uphill, and this guy was like, this is the last hill. And I had lived in Nashville, and I knew where the thing was. And I looked at him, and I said, you're a liar. I know this isn't the last hill. And he was like, sorry, I was trying to encourage you. By lying to me? Anyway, so y'all listen, it's going to be harder than you think. It's going to be harder than you think. 
You know, I'll tell you, I'll brag on him just a little bit, but our student pastor, Connor, he started last year doing, saying, you know what, whatever it takes, I'm going to drop some weight and I'm going to get faster as I run. And as of today, uh, he's dropped about 55 pounds and he's running much faster. He's doing incredible. And I'm very proud of him for that because he decided to do whatever it takes. You can clap for him. You can. But I want to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I will guarantee you if I ask him, hey, man, was it harder than you thought? He's going to say, sure was. Sure was. So, uh, but listen, it's going to be harder than you think. But I want to tell you something. Nothing worth doing in life is ever easy. Are you with me? Nothing in life is worth doing is ever easy. And that's why Nahum was like, you know what? I can't. I've got my whole people here. I've got everyone gathered around me. I cannot go down to that doggone nasty river. I am the general here. I'm the one that's supposed to lead this pack. Look around. There's gold and silver and chariots and horses and everything. But can I tell you something? When he finally did it, it was much harder than he thought. But once he came out, guess what? He was happy. He was content. He was at peace. He was healed is what he was. It's going to be harder than you think. And here's the final thing I want you to know. You're not alone. You are not alone. Do you know why this church exists? It exists to walk with you, as I told you earlier. It exists to walk with you as you go through these things. As life events come up, that's what we're here for. That's what the scripture says when it says we need to glorify God and edify others. Edify is to build others up. Can I tell you the only reason that I finished that half marathon? I was going around mile 10, and let's just say there were some more participants that had the same attitude that I had, and they were literally sitting on the side of the road crying. They were crying. And I was like, well, that's how I feel. But the pride kicked in a little bit, so I said, I'm not going to stop and, and cry. I may just cry a little bit on the way, okay? But my legs felt like concrete. Do you know the reason I was able to finish? Because my wife was right here beside me, and she was going, come on, you got this. You got this. And I was like, Wendy, I ain't got it. I'm just telling you, man, I think I lost it like about nine mile nine, nine and a half. We got to go back and get it. I lost it. She was like, no, no, you got this. You got this. You got this. You can do this. You can do this. You know what I mean? And sometimes I would go with her, and sometimes she'd drag me. But I was like, all right, all right, I got this. I got this. And we round that corner, and I saw that beautiful, glorious Absolutely, there was a, five angels across the bridge and it said finish line. And literally, as I'm running down the chorus of hallelujahs, hallelujah, and I was going down through there and she was walking with me and she, and, well, we were jogging kind of, I was walking, but um, she, 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 she said, all right, let's, let's, finish, let's finish running. And I said, okay. And then I started walking a little faster and that's pretty much it. And so we, we turned that corner and that finish line. And the minute I got across that finish line, it felt, it was an overwhelming sense of accomplishment. But I would have never made it unless she was right by my side. And you're never going to make it unless you have people that are beside you that are going to cheer you on, that are going to say, you can make it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it alone. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can develop a whatever it takes attitude. Don't live any longer not following what God has for you. God knows exactly who he wants you to be. He wants to reveal that to you. And my encouragement to you today is to develop a whatever it takes attitude and to embrace it. To embrace whatever it takes. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much for everyone who, who's come today. And thank you so much for just for your word. Gosh, I love the story 
of the man who had to humble himself, God. You teach us so much in that story. Gosh, God, it tells us that you are always mindful of us, but that you want our attitudes to be humble. You want us to have a humble attitude and a humble heart. And so, God, I ask you today to give everyone here a humble attitude and a humble heart. And God, I ask you today, I ask you to do what only you can do, to pull and guide us and walk alongside us. And God, to challenge us to embrace your plan. Lord, we want to do whatever it takes. We don't want to live one day longer just saying, yeah, you know, I just go to my mundane job and live my mundane life. And God, John 10, 10 says that you came to give us life and give it more abundantly. And that's what we want. We claim that now in Jesus' name. We claim that. Be that God, Lord. We love you. And as you do it, as you do it, God, we will give you glory, honor, and praise. We're not taking any of the credit. We're going to give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and let's sing one final song, you guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.